Hey GI, so I've got this kid. Do you know him? Well, he's known to your service even though you just came on this morning. He's pouring blood. You're probably going to want to scope him. Oh, you want to know if he's been bleeding since he's been here? Um, I actually just got cyanide on him, so I don't know for sure. Um, he's gotten some fluids here. We gave him morphine. They did a CT, which was positive. Uh, you should be able to read the report. Oh, you want to know about his vital signs? Oh, well, it says here that eight hours ago he was tachycardic to the 150s. Now? Oh, I don't know. I just got sign out here and they wanted me to call you and FYI you that he's here. So I was going to start fluids on him and send you to send him to your service, even though he's obviously still pending labs, is actively in pain and hemodynamically unstable. Are you going to scope him now? Oh, I don't know. I still have to go see him. Cool, cool, cool. Thanks. Bye. Sounds like the worst consult ever, right? It's not too far off some of the typical nightmares I hear about occurring regularly for the GI service. But you should do better. On today's episode of the Peds NP, we'll take a lesson from what not to do and learn how to call a consult. I'm your host, Becky Carson. Stay tuned. I started my career in a busy emergency department in a large city. The volumes were high, the patients were sick, and the residents and fellows who staffed the consult pagers were stretched thin. As a protective measure, my first boss taught me how to call consult succinctly because she didn't want me to get yelled at. And let me tell you, it remains one of the best lessons I've ever had, and I want you to have the same benefit. It also makes you a better communicator. It's important to be able to briefly and effectively get your point across. You'll do it with your colleagues when you have a question. You'll do it for consultants when you need to refer a patient. And you'll do it for your own charting. Learning how to put information and in what order is a learned skill, almost like grammar, because we providers are listening for particular information to hit us in a particular order. Let's get started. You'll hear me talk a lot about a one-liner. Another way to say that is a summary statement or patient synopsis that gives a brief one to two lines about the patient, their history, and presenting symptoms or findings. It's the S or situation of SBAR, the way that we commonly communicate briefly with our colleagues in handoffs. It typically has a set of information that one might expect to see. It starts with age, sex, and past medical history. Then it goes on to describe whatever you're concerned about or related to the chief complaint, any pertinent findings, and maybe a diagnosis or differential. Let's listen to an example and then think about the information you learn from how I arrange the sentence. This is a five-day-old former 34-week gestational age male born via uncomplicated spontaneous vaginal delivery to a now G2P2 mother who presents with hyperbilirubinemia in the context of poor feeding and urine output, likely attributed to inadequate maternal milk supply and physiologic jaundice. That's a one-liner describing the patient, and now we know tons of information in just a couple of lines. If you're using the SBAR method, you'll move on to describe the background, assessment, and recommendations next. There are lots of other ways to do handoffs too. I've previously used the sound method and iPass, both of which have their benefits. Consults are in a way another type of handoff. 
They both require effective communication in real time to relay information from one caregiver to another. In a consult, you're also getting an expert opinion on the next steps. The Joint Commission emphasizes how important it is for providers and institutions to focus on effective handoffs for the benefit of patient safety. They support the use of mnemonics like SBAR and IPASS. But remember, the job of synthesizing the information completely and thoroughly and standardizing your way of doing it is still on you. Practice makes perfect. Make them high quality. Do the same thing over and over again to get routine practice every day the same way. Let's try it again. This time will be a good example and we'll talk with ortho. So ring, ring, ring. Hi, ortho. Hi, thanks for calling back. My name is Becky Carson. I'm one of the pediatric NPs in the emergency department, and I'd like to talk with you about XYZ patient. Do you want his medical record number? They'll get fussy with you if you don't give it to them up front. Sure, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Let me know when you're ready for me to tell you about him. They'll also get fussy if they aren't ready yet. Okay, great. So XYZ is a five-year-old male with no significant past medical history who presented to the ED after falling off the monkey bars at 1400 today and has a Salter-Harris type three fracture of the right distal radius and ulna that's about 30 degrees angulated and 50% displaced. The fracture is closed and he's neurovascularly intact despite the deformity. He's been NPO solid since noon and liquid since 1500. I gave him a dose of two milligrams of morphine about 30 minutes ago, and he's comfortable. Mom and dad are with him in the room. I was wondering if you'd like to take a look at his images and let me know what you think about your availability to do a reduction. I know, I know. Monkey bars are the worst. Oh, you're right. Bounce houses are worse. You're coming down? Great. Thanks. See you soon. That's what my boss called orthospeak but you could name it anything you want. Card speak, room speak, whatever. What's important is that you think about the information you know the consultant wants to know and provide it to them in a succinct way that synthesizes everything pertinent. Typically, that's a mix of history, presentation, physical exam findings, lab results, and your management. It takes time, and that's a big part of the art of medicine we're always talking about. You won't be perfect when you start, but simply being thoughtful before you call can make a big difference. Okay, so maybe you're thinking, yeah, Becky, that's easy when you know what's going on and you're just asking them to do their job. What if I have no idea what's going on? Aha, I am so glad that you asked. You need to develop your clinical question. This is the most important thing of this entire podcast. If you remember nothing else, remember this. When you call a consult, make sure to have a clinical question. Get in the habit of saying, my clinical question is dot, 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 dot. There's nothing more frustrating to a consultant than being called and told nothing but statements, except maybe someone who's not done the workup yet or even seen the patient. When I first started as an NP and I felt really overwhelmed by a sick kid, I would take a breath and first complete a thorough history and physical exam. That was where I was confident. 
then I'd call a consultant, say Hemonk, and tell them up front, I'd like your help with ordering diagnostics on this child. Sometimes that's important because IV access is limited and you don't want to poke a kid twice. They were happy to help. And as I got more confident in my management skills, I might call a consult and tell them the story, then say, my clinical question is whether you have anything additional to add to the differential diagnosis based on your level of concern. Or maybe for cardiology, I was hoping you could take a look at this EKG now and let me know a timeline for this patient to follow up in clinic. Either way, before you call the consult, make sure you've completed the H&P. Any diagnostics you expect to come back that day are available to review and that you've actually reviewed them and that you have a differential diagnosis that is thoughtful. Then finally, make sure you have a clinical question not just that you don't know what the patient has. Our specialist colleagues are wonderfully helpful and overjoyed to contribute to patient care, if only you ask them a question. What they don't want is a cursory H&P, an incomplete workup, and a jungle book vulture type of, oh no, what do you wanna do? They're here to help, but not to do your job. You are seeing the patient. You have the ability to ask questions of the patient or family, and you can lay hands on them. You learn to know what you don't know and ask questions about it, because you're all doing it for the kids and you're an integral part of the team. I hope this helped. I'm Becky Carson. Take care.